Hello again, everybody. This is Stuart, and with me is... Uh, I'm Sam. It's Sam, and we're like father, like son, like movies, a podcast where I give Sam homework assignments, and he does them. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's about right. Did you do your homework this week, Sam? Yeah, of course I did. I don't think we'd have a podcast but if it's... I didn't. That's right. But we're uh, it's a fun homework assignment because... Uh, it's it's uh, to watch a movie, and yeah. it's to watch a movie that I believe Sam hasn't seen, and uh, one that I would like him to see so that we can talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, and today we have a doozy of a one. Um, I gave Sam uh, the homework assignment to watch Enemy, uh, an earlier film, not earliest, but early film by Denis Villeneuve. Starring Jake Gyllenhaal in a dual role. Mm -hmm. I, I expected a reaction, but I guess I didn't get one. Never mind. Um, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not getting your cues. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. You should pay attention in class. So um, we're going to talk about Enemy in a few minutes. It's a unique film, and I thought it was an interesting one. It was one that I had seen years ago, and I really wanted to revisit it because it's a head-scratcher. And um, this was a perfect excuse to revisit it. And also, at the same time, get Sam's take on it. Before we get there, Sam, mm -hmm. what have you been watching lately? Uh, well, I'll actually start off with something I've been reading, or that I read, rather, which was a book that you got me for my birthday last year, uh, Cinema Speculation by Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Um, which is his first work of nonfiction. I think the second book he's published. Um, the first one being once the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so I read that, read Cinema Speculation. It's basically each chapter is a about a different movie. Um, I think they're all from the 70s, and they're all movies that were formative uh, uh, influences on him. And it's interesting. It's kind of part... Um, Memoir, part uh, film criticism, part um, film journalism as well, because he, you know, being who he is, he actually has access to a lot of the people that he's talking about. Um, and so he has quotes from interviews in there that he conducted with them. And yeah, um, really good book. Kind of, um, I haven't, my, my trajectory over the last couple of years uh, basically since the pandemic started and I moved away from California has been, I haven't really been up with film culture at all. Um, I barely watched any movies last year and maybe the year before that. Um, so I really haven't been absorbed in that world too much, but reading this book kind of um, brought me back into the fold a little bit. So I've been watching uh, quite a few more movies this month than I have in the past couple of years. So uh, recently I wanted to watch Creed three. I didn't see that when I was in, the when it was in theaters. Um, but I don't remember any of the other ones. And I decided to actually go back and watch the original Rocky, which I hadn't seen for quite some time. So yeah, I went ahead and watched Rocky, um, uh, which I liked. I liked a lot. I want to watch Rocky two because I know that's supposed to be the other good one. And then are there any more in that series that you think I should check out? I wasn't going to go for the um, third or fourth one. Right. Uh, the fifth one is interesting uh, to me because um, the 
a climactic fight happens on the street. It doesn't happen hmm. in the boxing ring. Hmm. And um, it's, uh, I, I revisit that one from time to time because I just think that's kind of an interesting choice okay. um, for, for the Rocky series. What about um, sixth one? And then the sixth one, Rocky Balboa. Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend uh, that one. Okay. Okay, maybe I'll check those out. Uh, and then I was going to watch uh-huh. Creed 1, and, and I don't think and I ever saw the Rocky second one. versus, don't forget Rocky versus Godzilla. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that a real movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Is it? No. Oh. No, but it well, would I don't be know. If there was would be great. Could be. Yeah. Why not? And the other movie I watched is Bullet. Have you seen Bullet from nineteen seventy oh, whatever? Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Thought it was kind of boring actually, but that car chase was really? great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the car chase was great, was and then I pretty much just known for the car chase. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll watch that one again sometime. I don't know. I, I've actually kind of found it a little bit slow. I was expecting more action, I guess, and there really isn't that much. D and D movie. I also saw Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, which was showing at the theater here not too long ago. So I went ahead and watched that, and it was a good old fun time. Yeah, I really enjoyed that's it. What I heard. Yeah. Did it remind you of playing the game? Uh, yeah, kind of. It actually. Um, it it hits a lot of how do I put this? It does feel like a D and D adventure. It feels like something that could happen. I mean, it's more it's more uh, structured, of course, because it's a movie. But and and nobody's improving. But um, they do throw some things in that are I guess you could call them fan servicey, but I don't want to sound like it's derogatory because I think they they they're just using the world that that they have. Um, so it's not really fan service so much as they're just making use of of the environment, the D and D environment. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I never played D and D. You played a lot in your youth. Yeah, um, still play once in a while, but it's hard to get everybody together uh, remotely to do that. But I did play a lot as kid. Went to um, there was a comic book shop in Ankeny. We'd go play there uh, weekly. I think when I was in middle and high school. So that's Ankeny, yeah. Iowa, for those of you playing at home. <laughs> Helsinki, Sweden. <laughs> what have you been watching? Uh, oh, well, I've been watching a couple of things, uh, mostly movies with one word titles. Um, uh-huh. So uh, the, um, I'm going to mention two of them. One that I just watched on Criterion Channel. Um, Criterion Channel um, launched a series this month of um what did they call erotic thrillers um so they have a bunch of uh, movies from the 80s and 90s um where um uh, sex is a big part of the plot or the or the the story and one of those um was called bound um have you seen bound no bound is um I think the first film by the Wachowski brothers, who are now um, hmm. siblings, I guess. Uh, there was mm-hmm. this was filmed before they were transitioned before they transitioned, um, and uh, it interestingly is about um, a lesbian relationship at the at the core 
Uh, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a it's kind of a film noir. Uh, it has kind of a uh, 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 very explicit se uh, sex scene that was pretty notorious at the time uh, that it was released. Um, but it's just very entertaining, very good time, good uh, noir thriller um, where uh, the two women. Uh, uh, fall in lo love or, or fall in lust or something and they decide to um, uh, pull a, a con job on um, the uh, uh, Marilyn Monroe <laughs> look-alike uh, or, or act-alike uh, her boyfriend uh, who is laundering money for the mob so it's uh, it, it's quite interesting um, huh, cool. and uh and quite entertaining so recommend bound and then mm -hmm. the other one word movie title that i watched uh, recently is called plane uh with my favorite oh, actor gerard yeah. butler <laughs> i want to see that yeah it's it's also a good time it's about uh what do you think it's about is it an erotic thriller no uh it's, oh, not an erotic it's too bad yeah uh well in that case i think it's about <laughs> i think it's about a plane is yeah, it a plane is it like a high is it like a hijacking situation is it like a terrorist on a plane situation it's not and gerard butler's like an air marshal or something nope it's not that he's a oh. airline pilot who uh -huh. who is uh, has the misfortune of flying through storm and uh it's quite severe and it ends up uh damaging his plane at the land in this remote island Oh, and uh, it's like terrorists off a plane as opposed to terrorists on a plane. <laughs> um, uh -huh. They find themselves in the middle of a, a quite hostile territory. Um, oh. And yeah, it's got cheesy CG in it and uh, uh -huh. whatnot. As it but, does. Uh, yeah. As it, as it would. But it's uh, it's quite entertaining. And I always enjoy watching Gerard Butler. I don't know what it is about him, but uh, even he's got. Actors, yeah, he's got presence. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. I do too. I think it, there's a reason he's got a following. I, you know, I watched Cop Shop, and that was such a disappointment because he is so great, and that movie is so bad. Yeah, but you could probably say a lot of things about uh, that about a lot of his movies. Yeah, but I still enjoy Cop Shop. You know, mostly because of him. Um, yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's. We can have a Gerard Butler uh, episode sometime. Um, but I'd love to. Uh, in the meantime. Yeah. You know what? The movie of his I'd like to watch um, that I've never seen is Phantom of the Opera. Um, I've never seen that either. He plays the Phantom. That would be a good He doesn't movie. play the opera. That one. Yeah. He does not I play the do opera. That. He plays the Phantom of the. Well, that's what I've been oh, cool. watching. So cool. uh, now, now that we've gotten that out of the way, we should um, tackle the business at hand, uh, mm -hmm. which is this this interesting movie called enemy mm -hmm. um enemy is in the category of films that i think of as puzzle films um and mm -hmm. there's a number of examples of that but they're movies that by the time they're over you're not quite sure what it was you saw um i i put enemy in that category do you put enemy in that category i think uh yes yeah <laughs> question i think so <laughs> uh i think i think a part partly yes and the reason i think it it goes in that category is because there is an element to it where you are literally trying to piece scenes together in your head because it is not clear that they are 
um, in what uh, in what order you're seeing things in, or in this case, um, which character you're actually with, because Jake Gyllenhaal plays his own doppelganger, and so there is an element to which scene is which Jake and that that kind of thing. So it is you are trying to put pieces together in that sense. So yeah. There's lots of levels on which the movie could be deconstructed, and we'll get into some of that. Um, if we got into all of it, we'd be here all night, and we're not proposing to do that. But um, some other uh, films that come to mind when I think about Enemy are uh, Mulholland Drive or uh-huh. Lost Highway, two, two by David Lynch. I haven't seen Lost uh, Highway. We mentioned Mulholland Drive on, a, on another episode. Um, Black Swan, Darren Aronofsky. Uh-huh. Also oh, that's a puzzle film? I think it's a puzzle film. Okay, I'll have to see that again. I remember liking that movie a lot. Yeah. And also Mother uh-huh. by Darren Aronofsky. I didn't like that movie. I didn't like uh... Mother. Mother. Um, yeah. yeah I'm, not like... sure, I'm not sure if I would say I liked it or not. A couple of films uh, that I have um, admired that I would also like you know, to have you watch. Um, are Resolution and The Endless, mm-hmm. um, which are a couple of films, um, uh, indie, uh, indie horror films, that I, I think are, are quite intriguing in terms of mm-hmm. what it is you're supposed to be watching. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, Donnie Darko. Um, with yeah, I love that movie. Category. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And 2001, you can go all the way back to 2001. Uh-huh. Uh In fact, you go back even further than that. There's a movie from uh, France uh, in the early 60s called Last Year in Marienbad. Uh-huh. And um, that's a very intriguing film as well, but also leaves you scratching your head in terms of what it is, what it is you just watched. But I do like these films. I think they're, they're not for everybody. Some people uh, get impatient um, with not knowing... Um, uh, what it is the filmmaker wanted them to understand. Um, yeah. But I think, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I do, I do think that some people lose patience, but I also think that there is a difference between a movie that is delightfully ambiguous in a way that leaves you uh, invigorated at the end, as opposed to this movie, which just leaves you kind of confused and, frustrated at the end yeah and i think so i think there's an important distinction to be made there because it's not that i I don't think it's like oh one you know some people are suited to puzzle films and some people aren't i think the movie also has that responsibility to present itself in a way that's still intriguing and in its own way an ambiguous ending is satisfying in its own way, because you're still getting like um, you you mentioned Donnie Darko, and so that to me is a movie where you watch it and at the end you're like, "What the fuck happened?" But it's a good "What the fuck." It's not a "What the <laughs> fuck did I just spend my money and two hours of my time?" Like, what bullshit was that? It's a good. It's a good like, oh my god, I have to see that again because I loved it so much and I want to figure it out. As opposed to this was a frustrating experience. I did not enjoy it. And I was not rewarded at the end for giving my, giving the movie my time. Yeah. Well, so Donnie Darko might be a good reference point for us then as we get, as we go through uh, this film to just kind of understand the difference for you in terms of a movie that is um, 
difficult to understand yet in a good way in a, in a movie that apparently from what you've just said uh you do not find uh necessarily um an enjoyable experience or or something that that you find rewarding in any no no i didn't find i didn't connect with this movie at all to be honest with you i didn't i i <laughs> i just found it like a plotting uh frustrating watch and then the, the other aspect of an ambiguous ending or a whatever you want to call it, like any kind of head scratcher ending. Again, Donnie Darko is a good example. It's where you watch the movie and then something is revealed in uh, Donnie Darko. It's revealed that there's some kind of time loop thing going on. And then it makes you want to watch the movie again because it recolors your second viewing in a way that it enhances the experience. Enemy, although I love the last shot, I don't think, I, I mean, we can talk about it more we will talk about it more but i love yeah. the last shot i love the last scene but to me the ending of enemy does not recolor the film in such a way that enhanced my experience the second time and i did watch this movie twice because it was a head scratcher and i wanted to see um if a second viewing would would uh alleviate that feeling at, at all it didn't um it was just as confusing and um frustratingly vague the second time around and i don't think repeat viewings i think i could watch this movie a hundred times and i don't think i would understand it anymore and i don't think it's meant to be i'm not saying that's not deliberate because i think it is but i don't like it <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> well let's let's get into it in a little bit more detail so full spoilers for enemy um if you like this kind of movie, uh, I think you're going to want to shut off the podcast now uh, and watch it and then come back to to us and, and hear our thoughts if you're interested. Um, mm -hmm. Because it is a movie best watched without knowing anything about it. Um, and that final scene we will spoil um, in this in this episode because I don't think you can talk about the movie intelligently without spoiling it. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So... Uh, so, Sam, what's this movie about? Okay, so Jake Gyllenhaal plays two different characters. The first character and the main character of the movie is a guy named Adam. He's a history professor, um, and his life uh, maybe isn't so great. He seems kind of unhappy. He's got a girlfriend um, played by uh, Melanie Laurent, who also seems kind of unhappy. We don't exactly know what the deal is. It just there's kind of a, just a general malaise um, that surrounds him. He doesn't really seem satisfied with the way his life is going. Uh, and then one day he watches a movie um, because he's talking to his coworker and uh, or whatever fellow teacher at the university. He's talking to this guy, and uh, the guy's talking about movies. and And Adam says he could use a cheerful movie suggestion. So the guy suggests a movie. Um, that doesn't actually exist, or maybe it does. I, I guess I doubt it, unless they photoshopped uh, Jake Gyllenhaal into it. But he's <laughs> watching. This movie. He's watching a movie called "Where Where There's a Will, There's a Way," and he sees a uh, an extra in the movie, a bellhop, and it looks just like him. Uh, so there's a With there's a an actor in this movie. A goofy smile on his face. There's an actor in this movie as he's watching it that looks exactly like him. And so he's like, <laughs> well, that's super weird. Uh, so he does some detective work um, and he finds the guy 
and he meets the guy. And from there, his life is sort of un- upended, um, although in kind of a quiet sort of a way. But uh, yeah, that's the general, that's the premise. Um, and things things escalate. Um, Hilarity yeah, that's ensues, basically it. as they say. Hilarity. I don't know if I'd call it hilarity. <laughs> but um, so do you find, so the, the film plays out in kind of a, easy to understand way that's that's something that i find intriguing about the film and i will say i do like this film um uh so you and i differ in that regard but Mm -hmm. uh the the enigma of it i think kind of sneaks up on you because it doesn't play out like a like an enigma initially right it just kind of slowly creeps up on you it's played fairly straight um you're right it gets there there are some sign there there's some dream logic going on um but they're mm-hmm. they're fairly subtle um but the movie it, mostly feels like it takes place in the real real world kind of it, yeah. but also it doesn't it, it, in some ways right i mean it's it kind of clues you in right from the get go with a couple of things one is this quote that opens the movie um which actually comes from the book on which this movie is based it's a novel called the devil by <clears throat> jose saramago who's a portuguese author i think uh, of blessed uh-huh. memory uh-huh. and the quote is chaos is order yet undeciphered um so i think i think the movie is telling you there's something to decipher here uh, from the get-go and uh-huh. then we very we very quickly find ourselves after you know a mysterious shot of a pregnant woman sitting on a bed in a a sex club uh where um women are disrobing and stepping on spiders yeah in front of very sweaty men yeah and jake gyllenhaal and jake gyllenhaal who at this point we don't i guess we're spoiling everything so when you watch the movie the first time, you assume that this is Adam, history professor, uh, but it's not. It's the other guy. It's the doppelganger, Anthony, the bit actor. Yeah. And we don't have any other than the fact that you may know when you click play that this is a movie about a double. Um, you don't have any reason to believe that he is that there's two of him in this film right. at the, at that opening. But um, what you do see, I think right away, and it's very prominent, and I think it's intended to be prominent because it does play a role in the plot later on, he's wearing a wedding ring mm-hmm. in, the, in the club. So it's actually not Adam, who's a history professor, it's actually Anthony, who's the actor. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you said you said it's not you said it's not Adam who's the history professor it's Anthony who's the actor right because is that what you meant to Jake say Gyll- yes because Jake Gyllenhaal in the club is wearing a wedding ring he's the actor that's the actor right that's what I said yeah yeah so uh like you say and then the next scene shows Jake Gyllenhaal going to class but what we don't really understand at that time unless you're paying attention to his ring finger is that this is a different person this is a different character 
Right. Yeah. And you might think that the movie would do that more, would would uh, have more scenes where you aren't sure which which uh, Jake you're watching, but it kind of doesn't. There's only a couple where you have to go back and figure it out. Like, oh, that's um, that's actually not Adam. That's Anthony. There's only a couple. I don't. I don't think the movie's too. I don't think it tries to be too sneaky on the, for better or worse. I don't think it tries to be too sneaky on on that on that part. Um, right, right. If you can trust uh, that the Jake with the wedding ring on is always Anthony, sure. Um, but they do is they do establish that the the wedding ring mark, um, and I think that's why they establish that because it's a surefire way to know which is which. Right, right. But um, until until the moment when Adam views the video um and sees the stupid faced um doppelganger on uh-huh. the, on, in the movie you don't know that you're you don't really know that you're dealing with um two lookalikes right right yep mm-hmm. so then the other uh thing that is striking to me and it's a little i would say it's a little almost it's obvious and it's not obvious, but they make a point of of uh, underscoring these quotes that Adam um, repeats to his class about uh, how societies um, effectuate control over the population with bread and circuses and limits on self-expression and patterns that repeat themselves. He's talking about dictatorships, right? And then he's using he's talking about ancient, dictatorships. yeah, and he's using Rome as an example. Um, and that's where the, the bread and circuses, you know, distracting with entertainment comes from. And then he's talking about more modern with the control of in, information. Um, yeah. Yep. Censorship later, that kind of thing. Not too much later, he brings in a quote from Marx about how all events happen twice, the first time as tragedy and the second time as farce. Right. And those statements stick out to me like a sore thumb in this movie. I mean, the rest of the movie plays out in a kind of a naturalistic, as you said, quiet way. But the fact that they jam these quotes in there just kind of screams like, pay attention to me. I, I mean something. But yeah, do you did you did you receive it that way? Uh, I received it in the sense that the movie is trying to actively tell you in almost every scene, the score, if nothing else, is always telling you how important the scene is and that you're supposed to be looking for meaning. But I think it's all misdirection. I don't think there's anything under this movie. I don't think that... So, so yes, I reacted in the sense that, oh, it's telling us we're supposed to be watching. It's very heavy handed about it. But at the end of the day, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything there. Um, you were saying that the, the symbolism and the, um, the signals that Villeneuve is putting into this film are, you know, in your view, they don't really mean anything. There's nothing behind them. They're just in there to distract no. or I, th- I think they, uh, I think it's it's either misdirection or it's just intended to confound you but I don't I don't think there's any design to it I think it's I think the choices are arbitrary like the the brown veneer and then like uh, the two tower the identical towers that obviously correspond to the identical 
um, men. Um, I don't know. I mean, you name it. It's like like the at one point, um, Adam, the history teacher, has half of a photograph that we later see in Anthony's house. And so mm-hmm. that's when the dream logic kind of comes in. But um, it gets a little more intriguing at those parts. But I think things like the Karl Marx quote that you talked about, the Hegel and Karl Marx quote that you talked about. Um, yeah. Um, I don't think it means anything. I, th- I think it's just a bunch of stuff thrown in there so that people can kind of pick cherry pick whatever they want to latch onto and make meaning out of it. But there's so many things in here that are just contradicting each other that I don't, I don't think it adds up anything. I think it's the opposite of Gestalt. I think it, it adds up to less than the sum of its parts in that way. Yeah. You, um, uh, mentioned that jury color scheme. It is, it is an ugly movie. This is not, not a very good looking movie. It's, but deliberately so. I mean, they've, right. They, uh, uh, use some filters that just make this whole, uh, scenario look like crap. Literally it's brown. It's, it's, foggy it's difficult to see it's underlit um yeah it's not a um one that's uh you know pleasant to look at yeah but you know so in that light we should probably i guess talk about the spider in the room yeah if you want to jump to the spider sure not not elephant in the room spider in the room yeah so (laughs) there's lots and lots of spiders in this movie yeah there's a there's, there's three the spider in the beginning no there's four okay there's the spider at the beginning yeah that gets stepped on by the naked lady uh-huh then there's a naked spider head woman oh right that's down. the one i forgot in yep. a dream that's in a dream in a in a dream mm-hmm. and then there's the big goofy looking stretched out spider stalking toronto right and then there's the final spider. Yeah. Giant tarantula. Tell, tell us about that spider. Uh, that's It's um, Helen, played by Sarah Gadden. Right? Yeah. She's the wife of Anthony, the actor, um, who is also pregnant. Again, another detail thrown in that I don't think means anything. Um. And at the end, she inexplicably turns into a giant spider after Adam. <laughs> it's going to get so confusing. After Adam, <laughs> who is there because Anthony has taken, has kind of bullied him into taking his girlfriend, Mary, on a quote, romantic getaway. So Adam goes to Helen's apartment because if Anthony's with his girl, he's going to be with Anthony's girl. So he goes to Anthony and Helen's apartment. Helen comes home and they sleep together. And the next morning uh, she turns into a giant tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, a little... it's a great scene. It's a great <laughs> yeah, shot. We don't, we don't see the transformation. We just see her walk into a room. Right. And, and then he says something to her. She does not respond. Right. He walks into that room and in the corner, uh it's a it was a jump scare for me the first time i watched it was it a jump scare for you yes yeah um not a huge one but yeah it was yeah it's very startling it was cool uh this tremendous spider 
uh, is backing itself into a corner, very defensive kind of a uh, attitude, mm-hmm. uh, while uh, Gyllenhaal's staring at it. Just, right. I guess with some un- unreadable expression on his face. Yeah, I think he's fairly surprised. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But then, yeah, yeah but... it, who, who knows what he's channeling? There, maybe there's like some flicker of understanding there too. Um, it doesn't linger right. on him too long before it, it cuts to black. Yeah, but understanding of what? Yeah, good question. Uh, <laughs> I read in several places that this is a movie about infidelity. Um, and then I did find an interview with Denis Villeneuve. Uh, and he says, quote, this movie is a very simple story. It's a man who decides to leave his mistress and go back to his wife. And we see the story from his subconscious point of view. So that would seem to corroborate these ideas that this is a movie ultimately about infidelity. Is that how you read it? I, yeah, again, I don't know how, how to read it exactly, but I think it's possible to read it. And I think there's a lot of, um, confident analysis on the internet that this movie is not really about two characters at all. It's about one character with two personalities or two sides to his personality. Right. Um, trying to reconcile them. Which some parts of the movie would seem to corroborate, but other details of the movie directly contradict that, which I think is why, I mean, on the one hand, that's cool because you can do that in a movie. You can literally mm-hmm. have contradictory information in a way that, I don't think is possible in reality unless maybe on the quantum level or something, but are are we talking about Ant-Man now? So (laughs) I went to see Ant-Man and no, I've, uh, was was Jake Gyllenhaal there? (laughs) There there is. So an example from this movie, I already mentioned it, the picture. So at one point we see Adam with a, torn in half picture of himself there's somebody else presumably a woman that's been torn out of the photo but he has this mm-hmm. photo and then later when he's in anthony's apartment we see that same picture framed on the shelf with the with a woman in it with the woman in it which is not helen or is it i couldn't tell i it did not look like Helen to me, and it did not look like Mary to me. It looked it did, like a completely different It looked woman. like a different person, but why would you have a framed photo? Maybe it's his sister. I don't know. But why would you have a Could framed be. photo of yourself with another woman in the apartment that you share with your wife? But uh, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's his sister or something. Uh, yeah. It's not explained. I doubt the filmmakers have an answer, if you ask them, to be honest. But... Mm-hmm. Um, that's one detail that implies that they are in fact the same person. Although there yeah. are two different photographs apparently, because one of them is framed one of them is ripped in half. And so, yeah. but it could be, a, it could be a different point in time. It could be a different point in time. Uh, but then there are other details that in make it words, very this... clear that in the mm, world of the story, like... Adam and Anthony are two different people. So the the sequence of the scenes could be not in order. Sure. In other words, if if they're the same character, um, we see first the photo that's ripped, <clears throat> and then later we see the photo that's not ripped. It could be that those scenes played out of order. Oh, I don't think so because he meets Anthony right before that scene happens, 
and mm -hmm. the ripped photograph he is holding in his hand as he watches the movie where he first sees Anthony. So I think the movie's chronological. I think there's enough evidence for that. That's an interesting idea, but I don't, I don't think it holds up. It is. Um, it does play very well chronologically. If you, if you view the scenes as a chronology, it, it plays very well that way. There's no reason to believe that it isn't in order, but then you go back to that first quote about chaos is order yet undeciphered. Perhaps, you know, he is playing games with us and, and move scenes around. Uh, and it's our job to reorder them in a way that makes more sense than, than what we've seen. I don't know. Uh -huh. um, uh, that's I think possible. part of the point. Yeah. I think part of the point is that the part of the experience and why I enjoy the film is that it doesn't really matter what the answer is. It's just kind of fun to play around with it. Is it? And to, you know, I think <laughs> so, but you don't. <laughs> you didn't have fun with that. No, I didn't have fun with it at all. I thought it was just pretentious and annoying. Uh, yeah. So what did you think the spider meant? Nothing. Nothing? You just think it was a spider? You thought it was cool? And you're going to throw a spider in? Yeah, it? pretty much. Um, I think mm -hmm. along the infidelity lines, I think it is noteworthy that she turns into a spider right after he looks at the key, which is the key to the weird sex club that we see at the beginning, which he... Mm -hmm. How he knows that that's what it's the key to, I don't know, but he appears to be considering going to that which would imply infidelity and then she turns into a spider right after that so maybe i don't know maybe she it's a reaction on her part to uh the fact that he's thinking about going right back to old patterns um mm -hmm. it's implied that adam and Anthony are both have been unfaithful to their respective uh, partners. In, you think it's implied that Adam is unfaithful? Yeah, I think something his mom says to him. She says something about you have oh, a, you right. have enough trouble sticking to one woman, but that's another scene that makes it seem like they're the same person because then she tells him, even though we're talking, she's talking to Adam history teacher then she tells him that he should give up on his acting and he's like what so yeah that implies that she thinks adam and anthony are the same person right or that they are the same person yes um but then he... that's the first time i think that we are clued in that wait a second this we may not be watching two different people we may be watching one person right but I guess what I'm saying is there are clues that imply that, but there are then there are clues that imply that we are watching two different people, like the wedding ring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Mary, Melanie Laurent, doesn't recognize Anthony. She thinks he's Adam, but then she sees that he's got a tan line from a wedding ring on his finger, and she freaks out because Adam doesn't have a wedding ring <sighs> <clears throat> yep and she's had 
sex with this guy like several times in the movie um and that's if they're the same person this is the first time that she uh noticed that he had a wedding band impression on his finger right um or again are the are the sequences out of order um and that happened earlier in the film and then he left his wife and then they got back together uh-huh um i think i think if you go with they're the same person theory, then you have to rewatch the movie and look at every Adam scene as uh, what happened after Anthony left his wife. Uh-huh. Right. I think. So, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe, but then. And every, and every Anthony scene is like the, the prologue. Um, this is what happened before, um, you know, they split up, Uh but, but then how do you explain, how do you explain Anthony following Mary around? Um, is that maybe that's how they meet? Yeah. (laughs) He's stalking her. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, I think because you you can latch onto certain things, but then, there's an equal amount of evidence that points the opposite direction. So I don't think it's possible to make heads or tails of this movie, which I think it's kind of, on the one hand, it takes a certain kind of um, mental discipline, creative discipline to put together something that is itself so self-contradictory. That's kind of its own achievement. So I guess I can respect it on that level. But I don't, what's annoying about it is because I think the filmmaker knows that people are going to have conversations like the one we're having, and he knows they aren't going to get anywhere because he knows what he's made. And so like, congratulations, but also fuck you. Like there's, there's nothing (laughs) you've made an empty movie because it's like a vacuum. It like every time you find something, some kind of thread that you can pull, there's another one pulling in the opposite direction that, so you, you could say, oh, well, there's all this evidence that they're the same person as we've talked about, but there's also an equal amount of evidence that they're not the same person. So you can ignore one of the, you can choose a side or the other, but what you can't get past is the fact that there's equal evidence for both. Yeah. Um, so let's come back to what you said at the beginning, which is Donnie Darko is a good kind of head scratcher. Yeah. And, you you did not find this one to be a good kind of head scratcher. So what do you, and we're not going to recap Donnie Docker here, but what did you find about that film that you found, which is just potentially as impenetrable? Uh, what did you find satisfying about it? I think that the, you didn't find here. Yeah. I think the ending of Donnie Darko, when it turns into a time loop scenario, when you watch the movie after that, you you now have the ending as context. The, the whole story has been recontextualized for you. And I don't, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. But from what I remember, that was a rewarding experience to see the ending and then watch the movie again with that new context. And it enhanced the experience because I could look at everything knowing what was actually going on. In this movie, the ending to me does not clarify anything it doesn't add a new element. 
to that 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 recontextualizes the story in any way that I found meaningful um or resonant so I mm-hmm. guess that's the difference is my experience watching this movie the second time was largely the same as the first that nothing changed and I I again I think it's I think that's by design because I don't think I don't think there's anything to be got to be gotten from it. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. don't. I don't know. What yeah. do you what do you get from it? You like this movie. It just Yeah, I'm not sure what I get from it other than just it stays on my mind. I I enjoy thinking about it and trying to figure out what it means. The second time this was the second time I watched it and mm-hmm. um I think I in a way I felt like I I understood it better although it, there's still parts of it that don't fit in any theory that I could think of. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I just enjoy it for itself, for the experience of it. Um, I think it's, it's well crafted, although it is ugly. It's, it's not pleasant to look at. Um, you know, the over overriding tone is, is one of dread. Uh Um, so, uh, you're on kind of the edge of your seat the whole time, you know, waiting for something terrible to happen, um, which kind of pays off in that last scene. Yeah. It is a jump scare. Uh Um, and the car crash. By the way, did you see this in the car crash? Did you see the stills of that big spider on, on the internet? That, that spider's only got one eye in the middle of its big fat body. No, I didn't notice. It doesn't have eight eyes. It's got one human eye in the middle of it. Oh, that's freaky it's very freaky um but yeah i just kind of enjoy um you know just trying to puzzle it out and and it it stays on my mind and i think even when i watch a film and i have the impression of not liking it i I find that you know if it stays on my mind there's something there's something there there's something that's worth revisiting and returning to Uh i think the best interpretation that i've seen of the spiders online that I, that I buy is that it's a, it's a manifestation of his fear or anxiety about women trying to trap him. Mm -hmm. Um, that he's, he's finds himself, um, being, um, you know, it's almost like in self psychology that he, he, he feels himself being attacked or, or controlled, you know getting back to that quote about control getting being controlled by women uh-huh. in his life and so he tends to conceive of them as spiders and so his fantasy is to go into a sex club watch a naked lady step on a spider uh-huh. um that's release for him uh-huh. um so when his wife helen uh transforms into a spider that's him it's his you know when he says i'm going to go out if that's okay with you she doesn't answer um and instead you know looks like a spider to him that's that's him reacting to the fact that oh here we go again she's she's trying to trap me she's trying to she's trying to get me in her web uh-huh i kind of buy that uh-huh and that that could go in line with the 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 infidelity theme which again by the director's own admission that's apparently what this movie's about yeah so i read a I read a hilarious quote by him that said, I don't want audiences to feel frustrated. I want them to, um, you know, uh, puzzle about it. And I want them, I want them to have fun. 
uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know that I would characterize this movie as fun necessarily. I mean, it is, it's trippy to think about for me, but uh, it's not like a great time. I mean, it's not like you're skipping out of the movie theater after watching. This no, movie. no. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Let's see. The other quote that I found that I, that I thought was probably very, um, uh, you know, uh, not an answer to, to your view of it, but uh, something to think about in, the, in that context is from a website called theweek.com. And it said, enemies effect is achieved in part by the fact that the various elements of its story are impossible to reconcile. However, a viewer interprets enemy's ending, focusing on its specific meaning devalues its sheer emotional impact. Yeah. So they're saying it's a it's a it's a sensational experience. It's not one that's necessarily intended to um, have a solution. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. I just I didn't it didn't strike any chords with me, um, mm-hmm. emotion wise. Yeah. So one last question. Um, who or what is the enemy? Oh, I guess it's yourself, right? Yeah. You're, you're your own worst enemy. Own is, that worst. What you, is that how the saying goes? Could is that be. what it is? Yeah. It's got to be. be what it is. Yeah. Here's my final question. Of the two times that I watched this movie, which was the tragedy and which was the farce? <laughs> well, surely the farce was the second time because after you watched it a second time, he's like, "Why did I do that?" <laughs> I really went back to it, or maybe it was the tragedy. Thinking too. I would get more, I did not. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I obviously it's valid for a movie or any work of art to appeal strictly to the senses, um, as opposed to the logical side of the brain. I mean, it does appeal to the logical side of the brain in its own way because it's deliberately trying to frustrate the logical side of the brain, um, which I clearly don't like. But even on an emotional level, because I think it's so frustrating, I didn't, I wasn't able to access it. And so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just have a hard time seeing the appeal um, of a movie like this. It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, but I'm glad that you're not totally um, opposed to movies that don't have obvious solutions. Or, well, of course not, or, because, I mean, those yeah. are some of the best, you know, I don't know. Inception's a, a big one. Um, people love Inception's... People love to talk about the ending of Inception as a great ambiguous ending. Um, mm-hmm. As far as movies that are, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea that's, I don't like it when it feels like it's designed just to frustrate me, which this movie kind of feels like that's its sole purpose. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so if you had a hypothetical art house movie theater, would you, what what movie would you program with this? I wouldn't, I don't think I'd program this movie. I'd program two other movies. I would, yeah, I'd <laughs> I'd program uh yeah two different movies. Not the not this one. Yeah, I just wouldn't. Instead I wouldn't of, do it. 
I instead of enemy, you'd you'd show two episodes of Friends. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> the I think I reacted to uh, Denis Villeneuve's work like this fairly often. I'm trying to think. I didn't I didn't love Blade Runner 2049. I don't remember it that well. I remember it being a gorgeous but kind of an empty movie. Uh, also kind of ugly. Ugly, really? Oh, I thought it was beautiful. I mean, it's also got a lot of yellow tones and yeah, and but I think it's because part of it takes and... place in a kind of a desert area. But yeah. I thought it was—I thought it was kind of gorgeous from what I remember, anyway. But um, and then what was the other movie he made uh, that I was just trying to think of? What else he done? He did Arrival, which I thought was good. The book is better. Uh, yeah. The short story, rather. What else has he done? Prisoners. I like that one. He did Prisoners. He did, uh, uh, yeah, you said Arrival, right? Yeah. And he did Dune. Dune. I thought that was another one that was um, kind of flashy, but not a lot of substance going on. The first uh, movie that um, of his that came to my attention was one called Ensemble's. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I do recommend. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, also a bit of a twisty one. It's not as enigmatic as Enemy, but uh, if you can watch Ensemble's, I would uh, definitely recommend that one. Okay. Yeah. 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 A little bit. Di- it's dark. It's not a happy film. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Oh, and Sicario. Did you mention Sicario? Yes. Uh, love Sicario. I really, really enjoy yeah. that movie. That's written by Taylor Sheridan, who. Uh, has a pretty good track record. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. Well, if I was programming this in my hypothetical art house movie theater, I think I would program it with a movie called Start the Revolution Without Me. What's that? Um, it's a comedy. Um, stars Gene Wilder and Donald Sutherland as uh, twins, uh, two sets of twins that get switched at birth. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it's set during French Revolutionary times. And I haven't seen it in many years, but I remember really enjoying it okay. when I was a child. Um, and after something like Enemy, I think you need to you need to leave the movie laughing, the, the theater laughing a little bit. So sure, probably program that one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Very good. So check out Start the Revolution Without Me. Maybe you'll maybe you'll say, Dad, why didn't you suggest we start the revolution without? <laughs> it me? It already so, sounds yeah. better. <laughs> Um, well, anything else about enemy? Um, no, no final thoughts. Hmm. All right. Okay. After enemy, you need an enema. Mm-hmm. You need an enemy. <laughs> enema. Right. Okay. Right. Well, do you want to tell us what I'm watching for next time? Yeah. So your next assignment, Sam, is going to be a movie that, um, well, we'll see. <laughs> Um, I, I find this to be a hilarious comedy, a cringe comedy, something that I don't think is, uh, very, um, uh, well-known or well-seen. Um, but I think it's out there on, uh, quite a few platforms. At least I think it is. Um, and it's called Election. It's mm-hmm. by Alexander Payne, mm-hmm. um, who, uh, did the movie Sideways that I think is somewhat beloved. Uh-huh. Um, it stars Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon. Uh-huh. And it's about what happens uh, uh, in the context of a 
uh, high school election uh-huh. for student council. Okay. So Got it. Watch election, and we'll talk about that. Election. Cool. Okay, should I take us out? Well, I think you should take us out. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, this has been like by Lex on the movies. If you want to get in touch, uh, you can email us at likemoviespod at gmail.com. Um, if you like the show, go ahead and leave a rating and or review on the podcast of your choice. You should be able to find us pretty much everywhere. And lastly, um, we did get some new podcast cover art lately. So I just want to thank my friend Michael Sacco for drawing that up for us. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. All right. And that wraps it up. We'll see you guys next time. Good. That's right. I'm uh, Stuart Stubble. <laughs> I'm Sam Stubble. And the real Stuart and Sam will be back we'll in the be next, next week. month. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> see ya.